0: Well, hello there, gardeners. We're live. <laughs> this is our first shot at this. Welcome to the show. Um, my name's Joe Gadbois. I'm here with Bob Stadnick.
1: Good morning, everybody.
0: And uh, hopefully somebody can let Leanne know
1: that I can't answer that call right now. <laughs> that is right. Yes. You are uh, definitely really tied up right now, Joe. Uh, you know, You're plugged in and everything. And if you just try to get up off of your chair, you're going to be like, uh, you're (laughs) going to destroy the set. Everything, yeah, (laughs) it'll be a recipe for disaster. We can't have that. Yeah, no, no.
0: (laughs) So this is uh, this is our new podcast that we're starting up, and uh, we're going to be doing this live, and it'll also be available on you know all of the kind of favorite podcasting platforms. so we'll kind of see how it goes. Hopefully it'll be a, a regular thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very, this is
1: very exciting. Like I say, it's a first for all of us involved. Yeah, yeah. And it's also, it also gives us an opportunity to speak about a lot of our, like our, our passion in, in the industry as well as uh, just, just basically a lot, of, a lot of our favorite plants. Absolutely. And, you know, if
0: you are familiar with our garden show on 630 Ched. Uh, This show will be done very similar to that. There will be kind of usually probably two Mm -hmm. of us bantering back and forth about gardening. Mm -hmm. Because it is, you know, live streamed, you'll be able to ask us your questions live. We are also here with our cameraman and chat moderator, Tyler, so he'll be uh, forwarding your questions on to Mm -hmm. us while Mm -hmm. we're talking. But uh, yeah, very similar to our show on 6:30, Ched. The hope is that we can sort of expand our audience a little bit more, Bob. Um, let's face it, people my age don't listen to AM radio.
1: Very true. <laughs> very true. People more my age do. And, sure. Sure. And you know, and, and a lot of people my age, I guess, uh, have their own homes and mm-hmm. uh, you know are landscaping and are always looking for something different as well. Yeah. Uh, real seasoned gardeners, particularly. We have a lot of plant collectors looking for a lot of really cool stuff and uh, we do have a lot of really cool stuff available this year which is going to bring us to the first topic that we're going to be discussing.
0: Yeah, so we're going to be talking about peonies. Do
1: we have garlic in? We do have garlic in,
0: yes. Yes, we do.
1: We have the uh, uh, early Russian which is the red and just the uh, regular variety.
0: Yeah, so thank you for that question. Mm -hmm. Definitely the garlic and the potatoes are here, which will be part of our show today as well. That's right. But we're going to start with uh, peonies, actually, which is something I've been dying to talk about. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so for those who don't know, I'm the perennials department manager here at uh, Greenland. So I'm in charge of one of my many duties is ordering plants and sourcing out new plants. And of course, Bob, you have decades of experience in the field. So. We're kind of a good pair to talk about it. We both love peonies, we, we both do. know a lot about peonies. Mm-hmm. Here at Greenland we do have the largest selection of perennials anywhere in Alberta, over 2,000 varieties available mm-hmm. um, and part of those 2,000 varieties is over a hundred different varieties of peonies and um, a lot of different peonies that you won't find anywhere else.
1: That's right and you know peonies really have come such a long way uh, in the last say 20 years or so. It all started way back when the, there was a real major buzz out in the marketplace uh, with the uh, Ito or Ito peonies as they're called. And the very first ones that came onto the marketplace were actually worth like wholesale prices were like 350 to 1000 bucks for <laughs> one plant. And uh, Ito's or Ito's uh, for those of you uh, not familiar with them, these are the interspecies hybrids, so it's got crossed between the traditional peony like your, uh, for example, like the um, uh, Bola Beauty or, or Sarah Bernhardt crossed with a tree peony. And uh, they, they call them interspecies hybrids. Now these things originated, by, it was in Japan, wasn't it? Japan? It
0: was in Japan, yeah. yeah. So, Toichi Ito was the hybridizer right. that, that created that line, mm-hmm. and it's kind of interesting, kind of sad, because Toichi Ito was working on this, this uh, new type of peony in the 1940s, Right. and he died before the first plants flowered. Mm-hmm. So he never got to see the fruits of his labors, but um, many hybridizers have taken over the mantle since then. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing the first peonies uh, that came on the marketplace were probably imported from Japan.
1: More than likely, yes. Yeah. Which
0: which would be part of the reason why they cost so much money. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it also comes down to the propagation techniques. The amount of time it takes to you know get, get these plants to market is substantial.
1: That's right. And uh, Ito's or Ito's are uh, a little bit on the pricey side, and but but justifiably so, simply because of the fact that all the work that has gone into hybridizing these things and the selecting and it takes so long for propagation, like you said, and uh, hence the price. However, uh, there with the uh, advancements of uh, lab work with tissue culture, a lot of ha- a lot of the different varieties have been propagated a lot quicker than in previous years. Yeah, and as a result uh, these things are becoming more available readily available in the marketplace with a lot of really unique colors as well. And which actually brings us to some that uh, you have on the table here right now.
0: Yeah, so um, we're, we're going to show you a, a nice kind of sneak preview of some of the peonies that we have actually growing in the back right now. Um, and I have a whole cart full of them because I can't just pick one. <laughs> it's just <laughs> I wanted to bring one of every variety out here. Um, but we wanted to start with... Um, three of the real collector ones that are new for this year Mm -hmm. and two of these are itos Mm -hmm. so the first one is white emperor and white emperor this is the first example of a white flowered ito that we have been able to get our hands on white it turns out is a very uncommon color with ito peonies right so that's white emperor it has a semi-double flower now before we go into kind of the varieties i'll just talk a little bit about why itos are so great. Um, So as you mentioned, Bob, Mm -hmm. they're a cross between a standard kind of herbaceous peony which dies back to the ground each fall and a tree peony which actually has a woody growth habit. And the issue with tree peonies, they're great plants. They produce enormous like dinner plate sized flowers, Mm -hmm. but they're not reliably hardy in Alberta. So if you try to grow tree peonies here, you're kind of growing it like a tender rose. Where they actually have a graft union and you have to plant that graft union six to eight inches deep under the ground and then mulch the thing heavily and you know a lot of the time they will come back
1: and the key like you said uh on uh, tree peonies is mulching that's Mm -hmm. very very important because if in order to have success with them if if our winters in alberta are so all over the place uh you know if if you have for example uh and an early winter and lots of snow cover and that snow cover stays throughout the, the winter season right into spring, you're you're going to do fine. However, we can never count on that. There's a 50% no. chance that, that will actually happen. So mulching, very important. Yeah, but there's a few tips if you're doing tree peonies, if you're going to be mulching these guys in the fall. Number one, you have to make sure that you water them in well and make sure that the ground is frozen before you even do any type of mulching. Mm-hmm. So the ground should be frozen at least 3 to 4 inches deep before you even consider any type type of mulch material. Right. And then at that point, you could do like say a type of a rose collar, you could do a box, a cardboard box, a wood box and and mulch material what Joe? Like you can use like uh, bark chips, bark chips, anything like heat, that. Yep.
0: Leaves as long as they're healthy, don't right. you know have disease issues
1: or mm-hmm. insect issues, right? Clean And uh, I think the main thing though too, if you are uh, living on a farm or an acreage and you have access to straw, straw is great. However, you want to make sure that you put down some sort of mouse bait because Mm. that is just a perfect opportunity for these guys to to make a nest at the bottom of, around the base of your peonies. And they will definitely chew them right down to ground level. So just a little bit of a cautionary there.
0: But I'll be honest with you, I don't order tree peonies mm-hmm. anymore because the fact is Ito's, at least for Alberta, have made tree peonies obsolete as totally. far as I'm concerned. Totally. Yeah. Because what makes Ito peonies so great is you get the unusual colours, you get the huge flowers, mm-hmm. you get the sturdy growth habit of mm-hmm. tree peonies. These things are literally self-supporting. So where most... Herbaceous peonies require like a peony ring so that they don't flop over under the weight of the flowers. Mm-hmm. Itos have strong, thick stems. They do. So they don't require yep. any kind of support, even though the flowers are almost dinner plate size, mm-hmm. right?
1: Now, in the fall, uh, with, with the itos or itos, uh, you, can, you can either cut them right to ground level mm-hmm. or you can leave them. So it doesn't really make that much difference. I have done both myself personally, and they both come up and flower the following season. Yeah again, it's one of those those things where if the winter you get an early winter and there's a lot of snow and it stays till spring, chances are all that old growth will winter over very successfully and then they will just grow from there. Yeah uh, you could do that so you know that will definitely work as well.
0: Um, And just a reminder as well, we are, you know, broadcasting live to Facebook. So if you're watching us live, feel free to leave a comment with any questions that you might have. It does not have to be related to what we're talking about. And uh, Tyler will let us know what your questions are. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. feel free to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyhow, yeah. So and then the other thing, Bob, that is great about Eto's is that the buds do not produce sap. Right. So on yes. on on herbaceous peonies, the buds produce sap, which will attract ants. That's kind of a well known fact. Mm-hmm. A lot of people hate that. Um, yeah. It's an old wives' tale that you know ants are needed to open the buds. That's not actually true. That's right. But uh, the ants essentially are there just to consume that sweet mm-hmm. sap. Mm-hmm. Um, they're yeah, not going to harm the it plant. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But. You know, Mm -hmm. for those of you who do not want to plant peonies because they do attract ants, Ito's will not because they don't produce Mm -hmm. any sap on the buds. Mm -hmm. So lots of reasons why you should plant Ito peonies. Mm -hmm. But back to these guys, so White Emperor is the first one that has a white flower that we've been able to get. It's a semi-double flower, eight inches across, pure white with a golden boss Mm -hmm. in the center. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about what the flower forms mean in peonies also. Um, great. Then we also have All That Jazz is a new one for this year, which is kind of a sort of an apricot color, mm-hmm. which will fade to almost white as it ages. And then it has these deep magenta flecks all over it. So it's very jazzy, very jazzy. <laughs> <laughs> and again, it's a semi double flower. So and then the last one out of these kind of collector ones is Golden Angel. So no, this that's, one, yes. This, this is not an Ito peony, this is a herbaceous peony, mm-hmm. Bob. That's yes, right. But, you know, peonies in general do emerge a different color than what the flower, or what the uh, growth will be when it's fully mature. Most of them will have kind of this purplish tinge to them. Mm-hmm. This one comes out with this kind of orange and red coloration. Right, yes. And when it's mature, it's a chartreuse, golden chartreuse color. So the blooms are single yellow with the chartreuse foliage, and that's something you will not see in any
1: other peony. To me, that's very exciting. That's something that's just hot off the press, something brand new, never been offered before. I, I'd have to say probably that we are the only ones in, in Western Canada, actually, or in Canada in general that would have this particular variety. We I are, love yeah. the fact that you know, we have a golden foliage peony. First time ever on the marketplace. Yeah, this to me is very exciting. This hopefully is the start of a new series of plants that uh, will be coming down the pipes in years to come. Would that be would, nice to see? Th- that would be awesome because you know if you've got like like on on here we've got like a creamy white flower against the uh, golden foliage. Now can you imagine if you have something that's a neon pink or a deep red against gold foliage? It'll just pop Amazing. in the yard. So, Amazing. I'm keeping our fingers crossed that maybe this is a line of a new series that the breeders are working on we don't know at the present time uh, because generally speaking out of Japan you know they tend to kind of hold things to themselves and then Mm -hmm. they just release little increments of uh, of fresh material so we're hoping that something like that is going to really take off as well.
0: So that's golden angel. And just, just to be fully transparent on that, the foliage does eventually fade to light green, mm-hmm. but it will hold that chartreuse color while it's in bloom. So during the time when you're looking at it the most, it's it's gonna look like that. Right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. very, very cool. Mm-hmm. Now we, we wanna talk about some other peonies too. So Bob, maybe let's kind of talk about um, before I start bringing some of these plants over here to show some examples, mm-hmm. the differences in different types of peonies. We've talked about eto peonies. Right, right.
1: I think what we could do uh, in this segment is we can uh, progress. We can basically, be, we, we did a bit on the, the Ito's or Ito's. We, then we can go into the different groups as they start to flower in spring and sure. go right through, carry it right through into the summer. So, probably one of the first plants that really flowers are all the species type of peonies. Mm-hmm. So, this is things like your double fern leaves. They're very, very early. Uh, we don't have, unfortunately, a, a, a specimen of the double fern leaf here, but that They're is buried one,
0: under the snow right now. Buried under the, yes,
1: <laughs> under like three feet of snow. However, they will look uh, primo once that snow finally does go here in Alberta. Uh, but uh, this is a nice species here. This is an officinalis mollus. And as you can see, the one really cool thing about uh, the uh, species peonies is just the fact that uh, they are one of the first to flower. So these things we will be in bud uh, within two weeks after the snow is gone. As you can see, this guy here, this was just brought out of storage, and already it's budded. Yeah. So you know, and they're nice and dwarf. They flower when they're very short. Uh, the other thing is they miss the. Um, thunderstorms that we get in the summertime here because they are, the flowers are long gone so it's a nice kind of um, I guess an introduction into the you know peonies uh, if you have a nice collection you can really extend that flowering season from the beginning of May right through into the middle of July even late July depending on the different varieties that you that you pick right so the species always tend to bloom the earliest in Alberta uh, like I say, the double fern leaves, the single fern leaves, and the mollusk here. And this is a nice little guy because, height wise, I mean, you're looking at maybe roughly 15, 18 inches in height, about 18 inches wide, and it's got a very nice flower. As you can see, it's a nice, rich, bright pink. And this is a variety that is extremely hardy, does very well, always reliable, no matter what kind of location that, that you uh, uh, put it into.
0: And what you'll find, too, with the um, with the shorter kind of species types mm. is they're self-supporting. That's right. So where the taller kind of herbaceous hybrids tend to be floppy, mm-hmm. um, these guys will not need support, which is another nice kind of bonus. Mm-hmm. Um, some other examples would be early scout. So early scout, you can see, is also already in bud. <laughs> yes. <laughs> really nice kind of ferny foliage to it. And this is one that we have in our display garden here at Greenland. Mm -hmm. And when it blooms, everybody wants this thing. So, um, And then it's kind of gone. So if you want Early Scout, which has a single red flower with a golden boss, you'll want to pick this up early in the season, basically as soon as we open on uh, April 24th, because they'll be sold out Mm -hmm. once they're in bloom in the garden. Pionia officinalis anemone flora rosea is mm. another selection of, of the same species that mollusk belongs right. to. So, yeah. also a short one. And uh, we can kind of talk about what the anemone type flower is mm-hmm. as we kind of go on. And then I had a few other examples. I guess we might as well talk about what a single flower is now. That's in right. A, in yes. a peony, Bob, because, mm-hmm. you know, peonies have different flower forms. The single form. Just has kind of one row of outer petals, right? Mm -hmm. And then that kind of golden boss in the center, which is the stamens, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, early scout and mollusk are examples of single peonies. And then we also have some cultivars like Athena, which is, I love single peonies. They're nice. I'm just going to put that out there because they're kind of more rare, more Mm -hmm. unique. You don't see them as often. So, Athena is a single pale apricot flower with a magenta center and that golden boss. Mm -hmm. Very rare cultivar, I love it. Mm -hmm. And look at this apricot whisper. So you can't tell from where you're sitting, but it's covered in hair. All of the stems, all of the leaves are covered in this fine downy hair.
1: And you know, and the reason for that is because this plant emerges so early in the springtime. So that is nature's way of protecting the plant itself. By from frost. Fr- from frost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah. So I, I just, I love that. I think it's so cool. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a single, obviously, kind of apricot-toned flower mm-hmm. with a, with a, you know, golden boss in yeah. the center. So that's kind of what a single peony is. That's right. Yeah. And the single peonies. Oh sure. Here. Tyler's just gonna show you what it, uh, what it actually looks like. So with uh, single peonies, generally speaking, they will be earlier blooming because they're closer to the species types. That's right. As yeah. far as the uh, breeding goes. Yeah,
1: so that's, that's really exciting. Like you say, that's the first peony I've ever seen that has actual hairs on the leaves. And I love that kind of stuff. That I is cool. It. Yeah, it's the first.
0: Now another form of peony flower is the Japanese form. Mm -hmm. And this is where, you know, people get confused with the terminology because for example I will have people every year ask me for a Japanese peony and the first thing I always have to clarify is Mm -hmm. do you mean the fern leaf peony or do you mean Mm -hmm. the species peonia japonica Mm -hmm. which is the true Japanese Mm -hmm. peony or do you mean a Japanese form peony (laughs) because this confuses people, right? Mm -hmm. And people commonly call the Fernleaf peony the Japanese Fernleaf peony or the Fernleaf peony, right? Mm -hmm. Which is misleading because even though the Fernleaf peony comes from Japan, Mm -hmm. most of its range is actually in Russia.
1: That's right, yes. Right? So
0: anyway, but when we refer to the Japanese form in a peony flower, Bob, Mm -hmm. we're talking about something that's kind of intermediate between a single and a kind of a semi-double bloom. Because what you get is a row of outer guard petals, which are usually kind of cupped or mm-hmm. somewhat flat. Yeah, very similar to uh, to the singles. Very yep. similar. Yep. And then in the center of those guard petals, you will have, in place of the stamens that you will have in a single flower, you will have what are called stamenoids, mm-hmm. which are partially developed into kind of a petal. They're
1: sort of like wannabe petals, basically, yeah. is what they are. Yeah.
0: yeah. And so you get this kind of bowl-shaped flower. So a classic example of that, which you mentioned earlier, is Bowl of Beauty. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. Um, So those are a Japanese-type flower. Another example is do Tell, which is this one here. So it it has kind of the... One of the nice things about Japanese-type peonies, Bob, is that they're often two-toned because the guard petals will be one Mm -hmm. color Mm -hmm. and then the central part will be a contrasting color. So here you have kind of a pale pink outer part and a dark, dark pink central part. Mm-hmm. So it gives you that contrast. And right?
1: then the center part where the staminoids are varies some right. depending on, on every, because every variety is so different. Yeah. Sometimes you'll have nothing but a, a massive amount of, of, of uh, staminoids in the center mm-hmm. where it'll look almost like it wants to be a double. Sometimes it'll be just a trickle. But it'll be just like a roll mm-hmm. of these really unique, uh, de- you know, semi-developed petals, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, So it varies within the the different varieties. Now one thing I like about Japanese peonies is the fact that, again, they can weather the storms we have here in Alberta and Mm -hmm. their flowering period is a lot earlier, Joe, than than, for example the doubles, which we're going to touch on a bit later on. Now I love the fact that Japanese peonies, you have got so many different interesting color combos. I mean, you can have uh, like a, a really intense, deep, deep red, the deepest, like a crimson -hmm. Uh, With the bright yellow staminoids in the center, you could do you can have something that's white with pink in the middle Mm -hmm. that just pops out at you. And the stems are sturdy; the stems will support the flowers, which is really nice Mm -hmm. uh, considering the type of weather that we do get here. Uh, I've even remember I remember one time when we had uh, this was at a few years ago when we had a bit of a snowfall early June, believe it or not and I, I saw <laughs> Japanese peonies in flower and they had been knocked down mm-hmm. by, the, by the weight of the snow. Mm-hmm. The snow was gone within a day and they perked right back up. So you know, they're very durable. Now, if you had something like, say some of the old uh, fashioned, like the double peonies that a lot of people are very familiar with, if you had something like that with this massive flower, fully double, on a stem and you had that type of weather, that thing would be flat to the ground, would never perk up. It'd be done. Exactly. So that's why I really like Japanese peonies for that reason.
0: Right. So um, just a little kind of uh, distraction from the peony talk for a moment. We want to talk a little bit about the curbside pickup. Mm -hmm. We have people asking about that. Mm -hmm. Um, So first of all, I just want to say, because people are, are probably wondering, Um, we are opening all of our normal departments for the spring, perennials, bedding plants, Mm -hmm. trees and shrubs, will all be opening um, as usual. And as far as the curbside pickup goes, we're doing that right now. Mm -hmm. So we are working on updating the website with photos and prices of as much of the stock we have in the store as we can. It's a monumental task, Mm -hmm. and I doubt we'll get every single product on there, but we're trying to get as much on there as we possibly can. So that makes it a bit easier for you to kind of go on there and see exactly kind of what we have so you can pick what you want. Mm-hmm. And then just either send us an email or give us a call. Let us know what you want. Mm-hmm. We will confirm availability, pull the order for you, and then you can pay for it over the phone. Mm-hmm. So our web store is not ready yet. We are working on that behind the scenes, but for now, that's how you can place orders with us without having to actually enter the nursery. Right. Mm-hmm. So just phone mm-hmm. in or email the order, pay for it over the phone, and then we will. you can just basically pull up to the front doors, give us a call to let us know that you're here, and we'll bring the order right out to your vehicle. Mm-hmm. And we'll continue to do that same thing with perennials, trees and shrubs, right. bedding plants, yeah. once yeah. those areas open.
1: Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. So next, I think we should uh, talk about uh, the next batch of peonies, are the early hybrid peonies. Sure, yeah. Uh, I believe you had one here earlier, Joe. Uh,
0: um, one thing too, Bob, with Red Charm, it's very scented yes, and makes an excellent cut flower. That's right. Yeah. In my opinion, the two best red peonies are this one, Red Charm, mm-hmm. and Henry Boxtos, yes. which are both in that same group of, they are. of they early are. Uh, hybrids. Yeah. Um, the difference being that Red Charm has a bomb type bloom. Mm-hmm. So that's where it's, it's a double flower, but it has that row of guard petals on the outside and then a bomb of petals in the center. Right, and Henry Boxtose is a fully double flower, so mm-hmm. it's a traditional double,
1: and the color, the flower color on Henry Boxtos is is uh, darker. Yes, than on yeah. Red Charm. Red Charm yeah. is a very vibrant, in your face type of uh, uh, flower color, which is really makes it really nice.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So then, Joe, I think we should probably talk about the uh, the most common peonies, I guess, and these are the doubles. These the are the doubles. ones, yeah, that uh, everybody is most familiar with.
0: And we could talk about semi doubles too.
1: True, true enough.
0: Um, So I'll bring out a few examples. I want to touch on anemone-type flowers also. Oh, right. So I'll leave this this guy on the table. But we'll do semi-doubles and doubles. Mm -hmm. And I'll just try to make sure I don't come unplugged here. Okay. So, Bob, a semi-double flower like Paula Fay here Mm -hmm. will have multiple rows of petals but they won't be fully double. So you can still see the stamens in the center of the flower. So you can kind of see that. Well, you probably can't see it because you're so far away, but um, it it has, Paula Faye has multiple rows of petals. And by the way, Paula Faye is one of the absolute best cut peonies because mm-hmm. it is sturdy and it has a long stem to it. So mm-hmm. it's a really nice one. And then double flowers, of course. Great are the fully double kind of rose-looking mm-hmm. flowers.
1: It's a really cool and it's a new variety called Seen Blue. Yes. Which is kind of interesting because it's got a, it, it's very similar to the old traditional scented Sarah Bernhardt, same type of flower form, fully double, but it's got kind of a bluish hue to the flower. Yes. Itself, like you know, if you take a look like, I know again, uh, you know, picture-wise pictures don't do it justice, but uh, in, the, in the proper lighting, if you look at it from a distance, when it's in bloom, it's got almost like a like a bluish hue with the flower, which is really, uh, hence the name, seeing blue. And it's again a double, fully double. Now, one thing with all the double peonies is you have to make sure that just w- when the the to flower usually at the worst time of the year, <laughs> yeah, the nicest, the largest, most traditional flower forms always get beat up with thunderstorms and hail and things right so the one thing I like about uh, about these is you can if you put a tomato cage and tomato cages you can use or peony cages anything just to support the stalks and what I always do in my my garden is I always leave the tomato cage I cut the plants down in the fall leave the tomato cage in place so that in spring when you're really busy you don't have to bother you don't have to worry about that I put a tomato cage around my plant or a peony cage or whatever, it stays there year round. The plant grows through it, and then basically you just readjust it, uh, readjust the stems within that cage, and it will give you support. So, should we get really bad weather, uh, you know, like a lot of heavy rain, wind, that sort of thing, you know, then uh, you would uh, definitely at that point, uh, you know, the the flowers will be supported, and, and you know they will not get uh, get all beaten down.
0: And another really cool double one that I want to show is uh, Lemon Chiffon. Mm-hmm. This is probably the best yellow um, outside of Ito's for sure. And mm-hmm. what's nice about it, a lot of the Ito's don't have the best scent. Lemon Chiffon has a beautiful scent. So it's a fully double yellow right. herbaceous right. peony with yeah. a fantastic scent. Yeah. Um, and then the last flower type that we kind of uh, missed is the anemone type flower. So. Anemoneflora rosea is the oldest example of that. And it's like a Japanese type, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but those staminoids are developed a little bit further into what are called petaloids. Right. So it has this really nice bowl-shaped flower, and uh, so those are really nice ones to grow as well. Mm -hmm. And as we wrap up the segment on peonies, Bob, just kind of a couple of um, tips. Cultural tips, yes. Yeah, planting Mm -hmm. and growing Mm -hmm. peonies. I strongly recommend using bone meal not only at planting time, mm-hmm. but also every fall incorporate bone meal into the soil. Peonies love calcium. They do. Mm-hmm. So adding that bone meal to your soil will give them that
1: calcium and that will help to promote stronger stems as well. And in this point, or at that, by doing that, you're always there's always going to be a supply of food for your plants and that's yeah. really, really important. Uh, and uh, you want to be very religious with it, spring and fall yeah sure a very sure. very it's yeah. a good idea yeah uh that would actually apply to a lot of your perennials basically because a lot of them do like their calcium at any rate absolutely uh, the other thing too a few tips uh sometimes sometimes we have questions coming in whereby people ask why won't my peonies flower well, there's a whole number of reasons one being they may be planted too deeply mm-hmm. another maybe it could be the wrong location it just may not be uh, enough, enough direct light for them because they do prefer. Uh, you know, the more sun that you give them, the better they will do. Right. Uh, sometimes, sometimes some people will put too much compost yeah. and then they will not flower. So, yeah. there's a lot of different things like that. But you can always phone the garden center. You can speak to Joe or myself, any of us, and uh, we can give you all that information as well.
0: Absolutely. So, that's our segment on peonies. Now, we also want to talk a little bit about potatoes. Right. In, mm-hmm. in this show Bob. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna just do a little bit of a switch. Right. And we'll start bringing in some of these guys.
1: Okay. I would get up here but I don't want to unplug myself. No worries.
0: <laughs> Bear with us here folks. And I know a lot of people want to talk about potatoes today. That's right. Uh, That's right. We have been getting requests for potatoes since think. Mm-hmm. People have been really anxious <laughs> to get their hands on some seed potatoes.
1: Great. Just, so, we'll
0: show you some of the varieties that we have, we'll talk a bit about them, and we'll talk about how to grow them, how to be successful with them. And I'll just make sure I'm still plugged in here, I think I am.
1: Looks yeah, good. I think I should be okay here as well. Ever... Alright. <laughs> Okay, all right. I think we probably start here. Uh, just grab some of this stuff here. Sure. And all these, these guys, There we go.
0: So the first thing I'll, I'll kind of mention here with potatoes is you always want to make sure when you're starting a crop of potatoes that you're starting with certified disease-free seed, mm-hmm. right? So it's not a good idea to go and use seed from last year's crop. You always want to purchase
1: fresh material, especially if you've had any issues such as scab or uh, if you've had, for example, um, a potato flea beetle, which is a very common pest in potatoes in Alberta. Mm-hmm. So you always want to start with, like Joe said, with really good uh, certified fresh seed and uh, it's available in garden centers at the present time. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's really good. It's really, really important. If you have had issues growing potatoes in past years, uh, always rotate your crop. Yes, That's really, really important. That's number one. And in a lot of cases as well, you've got like, uh, they think there's some sulfur back there by there is. Joe. Yeah. Yes. If you have had issues in the past with uh, scab, any kind of diseases, it's a good idea to put in garden sulfur in the soil. And you want to put about a good, good hefty a tablespoon of the garden sulfur per planting hole. Really, really important. And what that does is it basically, it's organic. So you don't have to worry about any kind of a pesticide, uh, you know, affecting your, your crop, but it's something that's really important because uh, what it does is it prevents a lot of disease problems from uh, happening. So you want to, again, rotate your potatoes, really, really important, and do that on a regular basis because you never know. Sometimes you can, uh, you know, all it takes is one potato, If particularly if you're using this thing for, uh, you know, the, the potatoes for seed for the future, and you have just one speck of scab or one speck of some sort of a disease on there, it will definitely, uh, it can really ruin your entire uh, uh, crop. So, and it will spread in the soil. So that's, that's number one, really important. Now I thought today what we would do is we would talk about some, some varieties, some of the newer varieties, first of all we'll, is the ones that we'll touch on. And I think probably the one that, really, that I'm really impressed with, and it's kind of a good all-around, all-purpose type of potato, is the Purple Viking. And I've always liked different varieties of plants, whether it's food or ornamental, it doesn't make any difference, uh, simply because of the fact that these are purple. These are actual purple (laughs) potatoes or a pink potato, pinkish potato, kind of a salmon y color. And the really cool thing about them is the fact that these things are really a heavy, heavy producer. Recent taste tests have shown that they taste better than Yukon Gold. And Yukon Gold, over the last several years, has sort of been one of the best varieties on the marketplace. yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's always been a winner. But this one, apparently, like uh, the taste tests that they've done in restaurants in the past uh, several years have said that uh, Purple Viking is even way better. It's got a nice buttery flavor to it.
0: So let me ask you this, Bob, because I'm Mm -hmm. not as informed on the new varieties as you are. for example, I like red potatoes mm-hmm. because I find you can leave the skin on most of right. the time, whether you're mashing it or mm-hmm. whatever you're doing with it, because mm-hmm. it's a thin skin. Is that the same thing with these guys?
1: Yes, it's also very nice, thin skin. Excellent. On this guy. Yeah. And one thing I should notice, or I should mention as well, um, while we're kind of on the topic of red, kind of red, purple potato, that sort of thing, uh, we always get requests for people asking about. Uh, potatoes that have low glycemic index in them. Mm. Now, studies have shown that fingerling potatoes, so that's the little guys that are just roughly about that that large, like two, three inches long, maybe four, something like that, roughly an inch wide, inch and a half wide, and red skin potatoes tend to be lower in uh, starches than a lot of traditional potatoes like your old-fashioned netta gem which is now known as russet burbank now uh it also and as well how you prepare them so if you boil them you're getting rid of a lot of the starch out of the potato itself right, right. so it's a combination of the varieties that you choose and how you prepare them and that will get rid of a lot of the excess sugar for the people that cannot take re- you know, real starchy type potatoes right so if you if you are one of those people that um, you know has uh, you know problems with, with sugar levels in your in your body, stay away from the real starchy types like your old fashioned Netagem or your russet Burbank. Stay away from those those guys. Stick with the ones with again have the the the, the skin comes off a lot better on them as well as uh, you know the Reds and the fingerlings. So anyway, that kind of covers uh, the Red Viking because it's a variety. Like I say, it's it, I have to say it's one of my favorite hands down because it's a it's your best all-purpose variety that there is out there. Nice, nice. Uh, we have some Gem Russets here too. Yeah, right here. Now that's a really good variety as well. Uh, the Gem Russet, I like that one simply because the flavor is better than the traditional Russet Burbank or again the old Netta Gem that a lot of people are familiar with. Uh, this variety and it also produces a lot heavier than uh, the Russet Burbank, which is a really you know it's a real plus in this case. Like you're going to have 30 plus varieties per hill very easily. They're all roughly about that size, wow. so you know you're looking about three four inches across. Just a nice size, really good to to work with, and uh, it's got it's got very high resistance to scab and a lot of the other diseases right. that potatoes get as a rule. So uh, that is a very, very good variety,
0: <clears throat> and that's definitely you know something just now you you mentioned the potato scab, right mm-hmm. yeah probably the most common disease that we get on potatoes in Alberta. People mm-hmm. ask about it all the time, and we kind of mm-hmm. talked about the sulfur which helps to prevent that but purchasing varieties that are resistant to it is right. extremely right. important too in addition to the crop ro- rotation mm-hmm. which you mentioned mm-hmm.
1: and now, the garden sulfur. Now one thing you know it, like, you know to be to be honest I mean you're never going to have you're gonna never going to be a hundred percent disease free no 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 but those are varieties which are less prone to diseases. It's a lot just like for example in plants like with your with uh, perennials things like monardas and things like that, and fluxes that are high that get powdery mildew, the yeah. same sort of thing, there, there are varieties you can purchase that are less prone to these diseases, yeah, yeah. So. and
0: so it's just all about adding on these layers of prevention right. is so important, mm-hmm. so the crop rotation, starting with disease free stock right you, yep. planting disease resistant varieties using the sulfur, all of those mm-hmm. things, you layer on all of these. Um, prevention methods exactly exactly. and they all kind
1: of work together Mm -hmm. so now I the third newer variety uh, I have to say is Pacific Russet which is a nice variety again It's part of that Russet series, so it's one of those again That's a bit on the starchy side, but it's a good variety simply because it has very small and shallow eyes on it Mm. a lot of times when people are peeling their potatoes they don't want to you know you've got this humongous deep eye and You got to cut
0: it off. You got to yeah. cut
1: it all yeah. off, you know. <laughs> I mean ultimately the best is if you can just wash them really well mm-hmm. and uh, eat them with with the skin and all. That's yeah. that's yeah. probably the healthiest way to, to uh, uh, cook potatoes anyway, mm-hmm. but uh, for those of you that don't like that uh, this is a really good variety simply because of the fact that again the, the eyes are very shallow so you're not wasting a lot of the the potato uh, when you are peeling them and uh, Uh, It's also, uh, it's got a very nice white flesh to it. So it's got a nice kind of a darker color to it on the outside, but you cut it and it's a nice rich white color. Uh, Cooks up very quickly, good for boiling, good for mashing, really good for uh, doing uh, potato chips, uh, just an awesome variety. And it's again, the third in that group of uh, the, the russet series, if you will. One that I really like, and I'm really crazy about, Again, it's a weird potato. It's a it's a different different color. Hence, why you're crazy about it because it's weird. That's right. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> and it's this. Uh, it's called uh, amarosa, and this is uh, that's a
0: that's beautiful. This, I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Like you know, when you're when you're uh, cooking up your potatoes and you've got something a little bit different like this, you know, it just adds a little bit of different color to your to your meal. It's something really different, and it's you know it just and the taste on this thing is really good. A heavy producing variety when you cut it as you can see it's uh, kind of a pinky color throughout and it's a rich pink color as well and it's a fingerling type they're roughly about four inches across again a heavy producer you get 30 plus varieties or 30 plus uh, um, potatoes per hill and really good because you can make red potato chips out of this
0: right which is so cool which
1: is so cool yeah when you're making your own chips they're going to be a nice, rich red color. So if you mix that with, say, something like your uh, Yukon Gold or something to that effect, you know, you've got something that's really, really different. You know, when in in your uh, your meal, add some excitement to your life. Exactly,
0: with with red and pink fleshed potatoes. There you go. There you
1: go. <laughs> And of course, banana potatoes. They've been around for decades Mm -hmm. decades. Banana potatoes are very nice as well. I like them simply because the fact that they are uh, rich yellow when you cut them, they're a very buttery flavor. They've got a really nice, rich yellowish color, like I said, and they can be long, like in really good soils. Uh, Years ago on a farm, we used to grow them and they would be like sometimes up to a foot long and two, three inches thick so really a good variety as well banana p- potatoes really love rich soil so right. uh you know you want to add a compost to your soils stay away from a lot of your well-rotted manures. if you are putting some on be very um very careful with it because right. too much well-rotted veneer into your soils can uh you know introduce scab as well because yeah. if the soil is too rich yeah. but the, this is a variety that likes a lot of moisture and also a lot of, um, uh, you know, compost in the soil. But again, if you are using well-rotted manure, just want to reiterate, just be very, uh, you know, just a little bit lighter, with a little this. lighter yeah. on, yeah. yeah, lighter side. Yeah. All right. Um, what else do we have here? We've got another one here, which is really good. And it's called Sieglind. Now Sieglind has been around as well for quite some time. Uh, this is a nice variety as well. Really good for potato salads. And the potatoes roughly are about, I'd say two inches across, maybe four inches long. And you've got this really nice shape. And it's, a again, it's a it's a variety has been around, maybe I'd say about five, six years, something like that. And uh, it's, it's really, really uh, just a super variety, something that uh, anybody can grow. Uh, the average family, uh, you know, of two, Two three people whatever it'll you know you have about five six hills of this, and it'll keep you in potatoes for months to come because there's a good good producer. Nice. Uh, what else? Yukon Gold again, something very traditional. Uh, always been a winner. Always yep. been a winner. Yes. Buttery flavor, yellow flesh, and the outside has got a nice sort of a tan color to it. Again, very foolproof. Just one of the best. Do we have any? As a matter of fact, we do. Uh, We have got several. Uh, We've got this one over here, the Siegling that I had uh, just spoke about. That one is organic. Uh, This one as well, we have Yukon Gold. We have both uh, non-organic and organic in the Yukon Gold. Uh, There's another one down here, the Gem Russets we have available organic and not. And uh, there was one more. Uh, might be it's still out there, but yeah, we we have um, yeah, we have another we f- do have a selection, yeah, yeah, we do do have Nudge. a really good selection here. we have I about four or five one, different varieties, yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: so, and they are labeled you know, on the package that's There's right a big
1: green, um, yeah. yeah, so we have thing. several that <laughs> <It> says organic <laughs> organically grown, yes, there you go, yeah, so yeah, so. Uh, You know with potatoes uh, there's one more I want to touch on as well here and this is new to us. We haven't had this variety before it's called Jennifer and Jennifer is a variety it's great tasting and it's really good for boiling for mashing uh, just a really rich white color. When you when you cut it open it is white white nice and uh, it's a variety that uh, again it's uh, one of the best tasting and it's got a creamy texture to it as well. So this is something that really adapts well to you know, potato salads, that sort of stuff. Mm. So it's just it's something that I would definitely… Uh, if you want to try something new, you can try Jennifer. But again, for, for a really quick recap, I would have to say uh, on the potatoes, I would have to say something like the Purple Viking. I love that simply because it is an all-purpose variety. And I like my uh, Amarosa that I talked about here earlier. That's a good variety for something totally different again. And then try a few of the different russets, you know, like these guys here, uh, you know, and then we've got the pink russet, we have russet Burbank, so just try all that that russet series if you've got the space. So you know, yeah, do we have any questions uh, regarding uh, the potatoes?
0: Uh, so just to kind of reiterate on the curbside pickup, people have, have been asking about that. Mm-hmm. Um, If you are looking to pick up your seed potatoes and you are staying safe as far as physical distancing and everything, of course, we are doing everything we can as far as government regulations in the store to limit spread of uh, COVID-19. But if you would rather not enter the store, we totally understand we have curbside pickup as an option. So if you see anything here that you're interested in, you can send us an email or give us a call. We will confirm availability of it. And um, you know, then you can basically just pay for it over the phone, mm-hmm. okay? And when you come to the store, just give us a call from the front door, and we'll bring it right out to your vehicle. What's
1: the price range for the seed potatoes? So, price range for the seed potatoes, Bob? Um, usually around the eight ninety nine, eight eight ninety nine to nine ninety nine mark, something like that. $8. So for one package, right? Yeah. What's that today?
0: So these boxes are two kilograms, I think. Uh yes they are. The boxes are two kilograms. Yep. The smaller packages are what size? Probably one kilogram. Yeah, about a one kg, one and a half, something like that. Yeah. But the same or sorry, they're five five hundred grams. It says right, right on the there front. There you go. Five hundred yeah, pound. That's right. There you go. And uh, but the same
1: price, Bob, for these? Uh those are a little cheaper. These are both six, cheap. seven ninety-nine, something like that.
0: Okay, so six ninety-nine for the five hundred grams. for Mm -hmm. the two kilograms, Um, you're paying a little bit more per, you know, gram with these because these are the more
1: unique varieties, right? So, Mm -hmm. one thing that's really interesting as well, I just want to wrap up things with here is the fact that um, even though you see a little package like this, there actually are a lot of potatoes in one of these. Yeah. There's lots. Like, I mean, you're looking at, uh, you know, easily... Ten to fifteen and something like this. And these guys here, I know we opened up a pack last year and there was something like twenty-five, thirty little potatoes in here. Now later on we will have more varieties available as well. What's Another the question? best way to prepare the soil for potatoes? So fertilizer, sand, or
0: other sure. So soil preparation. You want to have um, you want to have a soil that is you know, fairly rich, not Mm -hmm. too rich. So definitely add some compost to the soil. If you have something like a sandy loam and you just add compost to it, that Mm -hmm. works really well. Mm -hmm. Heavy clay soils will still work, but Mm -hmm. again, just make sure that you're adding compost to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And you'll find that the potatoes themselves as they're growing will help to improve the structure of the soil if it is a really heavy clay. That's right. But definitely amending it um, and even if, if it's a really heavy clay, you might want to add a bit of sharp sand or something to it to loosen it up a little
1: bit. Um, no. Other than that… Yeah, and actually, you know, those of you who live out, who are fortunate enough to live out in the country on a farm, and if you have just broken new ground, for example, if you have um, um, basically you've had an area that's been growing with, uh, with a lot of alfalfa, or grass, that sort of thing, and you plow it under, you work it under for a couple of years, that is the ultimate best location for potatoes. Yeah. Simply because you've got all that rich organic material in there, and it's been growing there for a lot of years. All the grass, all that's all the the alfalfa, this sort of stuff. The clovers have taken up all the uh, the nutrients. You work it in. You great, great uh, soil. Do you recommend carrying the potato containers, buckets,
0: ponders?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. Yeah, we have potato bags. They're like a felt bag, and you. Um, What you do is you put a bit of soil in the bottom of this bag first off and they they come in different sizes and you could grow these on your deck actually too right very easily and you put a bit of soil in there roughly about six eight inches of soil in the bottom and then you put your you plant your potatoes uh i can't remember i believe it's like three potatoes per bag or something like that three to four potatoes three to five and uh as they grow what you do is just keep on adding soil so in in essence at the very end when you're going to be harvesting them in the fall you've got something that's roughly about two feet high three feet high depending on the size that you get and you'll have a bag full of potatoes it's a great
0: well we, we wouldn't recommend it yeah. over planting in the ground mm-hmm. for sure it's essentially a way that you can grow potatoes if you don't have garden space right, right. yeah um, but ultimately the best way to grow them is still in soil in the mm-hmm. ground that's right absolutely yeah. Um, I mean you can try there's the old tire method too right, right. where you're where you're yes. kind of hilling them up using tires or something else that can hold the soil in I'm surprised that you know about that Joe <laughs> <laughs> Old Joe knows a few tricks
1: for growing edibles does. I think he does
0: <laughs> <laughs> So yeah there's there's you know many different ways of doing it because mm-hmm. you know potatoes need deep soil to do really well Right So you know that that's kind of one way that you can do it if you have less space. Also, exactly.
1: But yeah, yeah.
0: So the only other thing with potatoes would just be like like you said, just to reiterate, crop rotation. Try mm-hmm. to grow them in different location each mm-hmm. year. Add garden sulfur to your hole for sure. Mm-hmm. If you've had issues with with uh, wireworm in the past, again, crop rotation is really important. But diatomaceous earth is something you right. can add to the soil to mm-hmm. help with wireworm as well. Yeah. Add compost to your soil. Mm-hmm. Sea soil is a fantastic product. For and that. one,
1: one more thing that I think I should mention as well: uh, if when you, if you are breaking new ground, and for example, if you've had, say, you know, last year you had uh, like grass growing in this area, and you are working it under, you want to plant your potatoes. I would say hold off, simply because breaking new ground, you will have wireworm issues. Right. And in the meantime, if you consistently keep leave, keep that that soil, uh, what we say, as, as summer followed or keep working it under, uh, it's really important because that will get rid of these things. They, they cannot set up shop for that very reason. So by, you know, just something to be aware of. If right. you have had wireworm problems, uh, that is probably why as well a lot of times they will come in from fields or they will come, come in from uh, established hedgerows, anything like that where the soil is not disturbed. Right. So So somebody was asking about garden sulfur. Um,
0: the price is eight ninety nine for this canister, which is three hundred grams, which will go a fairly long way. So, and it is kind of a you know natural mm-hmm. fungicide, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's obviously it's sulfur. It's mined from the earth. It's not like a like a chemical that's, that's been right. synthesized. Yeah um but it's a powder so and it's used for preventing fungal problems in many different applications mm-hmm. specifically for potatoes you can add it into the planting hole to help prevent Potato scab, which is a fungal issue, right? And it will have the side effect of slightly lowering the pH of the soil. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons why potato scab is somewhat prevalent in our area is because a lot of native soils have an alkaline pH, which it likes. So lowering the pH of the soil also helps to prevent it. But you can use this for other um, fungi also. Like, for example, with powdery mildew, you Mm -hmm. can powder Mm -hmm. this onto the foliage of susceptible plants and that will help to prevent that so it has a number of uses as far as preventing fungal issues yep so this has been episode one of in the garden with greenland it's our new podcast sorry we will be back uh next wednesday so this podcast will be a, a weekly thing we'll be doing it on wednesdays and you can watch it live on facebook If you are not able to watch it live, you can also get the audio only version on numerous platforms. We'll we'll be rolling it out so you can listen to it in the car or what have you. And you'll also be able to watch the video version on YouTube. We will be adding it to Mm -hmm. our YouTube channel, which is Greenland Garden. So you Mm -hmm. can check that out as as well if you miss the live show on Facebook. So I'd like to thank everybody so much for watching, listening, giving us your
1: questions. Putting up with us. Putting up with us.